Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast, to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions, search for the answers yourself, to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome, as long as you just think. Well, hey, 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 everybody. Hey, hey. hey. Hello. We back in the studio. I'm here. I'm here. Yay. (laughs) And I'm playing producer today. We are so thankful for you, Amy. Holy, holy. (laughs) Amy, 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 we are very impressed with your ability to learn quickly (gasps) and to run a podcast, sister. Look at us growing. We are growing. We are learning. (laughs) And still a hot mess. And if, if, (laughs) if anything is messed up today, it's my fault. Hey, I think what's so great about our conversation and the fact that we can put it on a platform and invite others into it is we are not especially skilled at anything other than talking to each other, right? Like, yeah. we're, we don't, we're not investigative journalists. We're not doctors. We're not politicians. We, but we are three American women who have been on this journey together to search for the truth, for the facts, and have found such unity in that. And I think it's Mm -hmm. just an amazing thing. And so I think our message to everyone is if we can do this, so can you. We can have these conversations, so can you, in your own unique ways. And it's important that we not shut up. It's important that we do talk about what we're learning. We have these respectful conversations and that we come to the table with people who don't see things exactly the way we do. And we actually saw that happen this week. Yeah. Right? Joe Rogan. And uh, Sanjay Gupta, Dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN, um, as we all know, there was a backlash against CNN when they basically reported that Joe Rogan had taken, quote, horse dewormer uh, when he had COVID. Now, we all know that ivermectin is a drug that can be used for as a horse dewormer, but he was prescribed by a medical doctor because this is a drug for humans and has been used in millions Mm -hmm. of humans for decades. For decades, exactly. right? And so it was great, though. I don't know if you guys, did you guys listen to all we three hours? We listened to all of it. Yeah. We were on a road trip, and we listened to all three hours, and it was just fascinating. And I was so happy that, you know, Joe Rogan had a chance to call him to the carpet. Is that the phrase? Call him to the carpet? I don't know. Yeah. Where, you, where he could say, like, look, this is your network. This is what they said. Why are they lying, you know? And it was like he didn't really have a good answer. Yeah. I think it was a really good conversation back and forth, and it shows people how you can be completely have different perspectives and still have a civil conversation. And there were a lot of questions there, which a lot of the questions that we've had and Joe asked them, they were great. I think he got Sanjay's respect. I think he probably had Sanjay's respect to some degree for Sanjay to want to come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think Sanjay kind of admitted like he wanted to get Joe to agree to be vaccinated. I think that was his goal. Right. But I, it was so fascinating to me to watch and listen to Sanjay, I think, grew in respect for the fact that Joe is educated. Right. Right. And he shared some things with Sanjay that Joe didn't know. 
I mean, sorry. You mean that Sanjay, Sanjay didn't, didn't know? Sanjay didn't know. Well, I was like, I mean, Jeremy was, was, yeah. That was what I thought was crazy. Like, uh, uh, there was one point in the podcast where he pulled up a video of a doc, I guess I think it was a doctor vaping through a mask. Yeah. And the, just, you know, it went everywhere, all through the mask. And Sanjay, I was watching him on video, and he put his head in his hands, and he was like, where do you find this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's out there, man. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we're all able to do this research and find this information out. We don't have to be Sanjay Gupta. We don't have to be the chief medical mm-hmm. correspondent for a mainstream media network. The information's out there. And clearly, I think that a lot of people like us actually might know more than him. Yeah. I mean, that was the crazy thing is like, I know I'm not a medical doctor. We're not medical doctors. But what he said to Joe repeatedly, Joe was was speaking some of the things we've said right here on this podcast. We've said to each other, we're having in these conversations. Um, and, and, you know, Sanjay said repeatedly, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And I thought that was so humble of him to acknowledge, first right. of all. Um, I thought they had a great conversation. I know you can take sound bites. And it definitely sounded like Joe owned Sanjay in mm-hmm. some sound bites that we saw. <laughs> But it was a respectful conversation. And right. by the end, I really think these two could be friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about that. Why can't there be more of this discourse? Mm-hmm. Now, um, I saw some cognitive dissonance in Sanjay. I don't know. Did you guys pick up on it? I think there were times where I was like, dude, you are dancing around just saying the conclusion you know you should probably draw here. But why aren't you drawing it? Now, I know he has. he's employed by CNN. So I'm sure there's some motivation to not want to... You know, say anything that could get him in hot water, right? He's a very public figure. But I did watch him want to hesitate to acknowledge. And that's a learning lesson for me and for all of us that I don't want to be so steeped in what I believe that I'm no longer open to being wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually we, we say this all the time. Please prove us wrong. Do right. you have contrary exactly. evidence? We want to see that. Yes. And. It really, you know, that... that It was co- really prevalent when they were talking about the myocarditis and mm-hmm. stuff yes. because Sanjay was saying that he had done so much research because of his kids as well. And Joe brought up several different studies, you know, legit great studies and even some stories that Sanjay had no idea about. And right. you would... You honestly would think that he would at least know about some of these. And that honestly brings us back to what's what's scary is like the censorship and what you're allowed to see and not allowed to see and, you know, where you're finding your information. And this is a physician that's the medical correspondent, right, for CNN. I don't know his, yes, that, you know, that what he to say. Yes, he is the doctor he, right. on CNN. So, <laughs> but I'm hopeful that, like, you know, he said I hope he this promised, his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He promised that he was going to go research the things that Joe was telling him about the myocarditis in kids. He's like, I, I am going to go look into this. I'm going to go look into these studies and I'm going to look into these numbers. So maybe, just maybe. Yeah. And I want to point out something that, that Sanjay shared that I, made me go look up, which was that myocarditis can happen from having COVID. So it's it's right. something that you can get with the disease. It's something that um, we have never talked about, I don't think, on the podcast. And, and frankly, one of the things that I was looking at, and Joe brought this up, he said, you know, this, you're basing this off of reported instances with the vaccine, and you're trying to make an apples to oranges comparison of myocarditis with vaccines, myocarditis with COVID. And he said, Sanjay, we know that reporting mm-hmm. on this is is diminished. It's, mm-hmm. You're not going to find every case of it because the reporting system, as Sanjay acknowledged, is so faulty. Mm-hmm. So right. the, the data is very hard to come by. But I think it's important that people know there is a risk of that as well. Well, a lot of the vaccine injuries are the same thing you could yes. get with COVID. Yeah. Because it's, it's that spike pro- that protein. Same. I mean, so you, so right. it, it makes sense, but 
I guess that goes back to the point would why if you have a minimal risk for getting COVID or, you know, having those serious complications, why introduce a vaccine that is going to give you a risk of getting it, yeah. you know, getting those complications as well. Yeah. So go watch because Joe really holds a line really on his position on it. And I think he did it based on facts. And, and, and I was educated on marijuana in the beginning, too. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sanjay's changed his opinion on marijuana, which I, that's what made me start following Sanjay years ago is he had been anti and then he saw the medicinal benefits for kids that were having um uh, seizures, seizures. Mm-hmm. And, and it was very compelling so I, I respect someone who's willing to change their minds and I mm-hmm. hope girls that's our, our goal too right we're willing to change our minds when we can find out that we're wrong right, right. and I think that's that's what we try to hold ourselves to well let's let everybody take a, a listen we encourage you to go watch the whole thing on Spotify Joe Rogan's podcast but Amy here's your first chance oh my gosh. girlfriend I you I can do it you can do the same all right here we go we all take a listen to this clip 78% of the people that wind up in, in the hospital for COVID are obese, yeah, right? Yeah, I think, I think uh, right. And, and, and 113% in the ICU and whatever. There, it's, it's a 113%. much... 113%. More likely to end How up... How do you get a, more than no, no, 113% more likely to oh. end up versus oh. those. But, yeah, this needs to be addressed. Like, Joe, we, we spend $4 trillion a year on healthcare in this country. 70% of the diseases are probably totally preventable. And most lifestyle. of that is lifestyle. Yeah. And most of that even more specifically is diet. So I think we, there's always been, again, going back to the nuance of these discussions, people say, hey, look, you know, we can't shame people who are obese. And, and no, nobody's saying shame people who are obese. They're saying there's a real problem in this country. If we spent 1% of our health care budget on actually helping people get fit and making sure they had healthy food and whatever it may be, it would go a long way. We, don't, we don't do that. This expression, you can't shame people is that it's been distorted down to the point where even bringing up the fact that someone is obese is shaming them. And that is ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what gets in the way. Yeah. And, and it doesn't need to get in the way of this. We can have a, a, a good, smart discussion about this. And doctors yeah. and nurses, they need to be talking about this stuff with their patients. I write a lot about this in the book. You know, I, I, even the microbiome, like what you've eaten in the morning could probably have some impact on how you might fare if you were to get the disease uh, later on that night. I mean, 80% of our immunity is in our gut, yeah. the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. So there, there's a lot, you know, that we need to be doing. I mean, what struck me about this pandemic is that wealthier countries almost across the board got hit harder yeah. than poorer countries. It's interesting, Diseases right? of affluence. Yeah. You well, know, I mean, wealthier countries, but is it wealthier people in those countries that are get get hit disproportionately no. harder? Well, it's obese people. Some right, and that, and and that the, there's certain you know the demographics you know whatever. But if you just compare country to country, right. Wealthier countries, you think of malaria, tuberculosis, you think of poorer countries with fewer yeah. resources. With COVID, it was wealthier countries. And there's, there's a few reasons why, but we did not, we're not healthy. It's an overeating issue. We're so not healthy. Overeating and poor diet is... So what I loved about this clip is it's not the clip that went viral, but it's mm-hmm. the clip that really stuck with me. I think after listening to the conversation, Sanjay Gupta saying 70% of our diseases that are health care system is burdened by, I think he said it's $4 trillion a year in the U.S. alone that we're spending in health care. And he said 70% of that 
is preventable. It's based on lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. And that the healthier you are, the better you fare if you were to get COVID, but also the better you fare against all the things that are killing Americans that have shortened our lifespan that you guys know that, right? Like our lifespan is actually diminishing instead of growing as it once was. And compared to all the other countries in the world that are as affluent or close to our affluence, you know, we are the sickest. And this started a deep dive in our conversations. It's a conversation we wanted to bring to the table today, which is we believe we have a real health crisis in America that goes far beyond COVID, but COVID has magnified the effects right. of, mm-hmm. our, of our health, right? We're considering it's like, what, four, at least four comorbidities yes. um, with COVID is going to be the, the death rate is, you know, mm-hmm. those people. And so when we look at those comorbidities, then it really just kind of shines the light on, you know, if we're, t- if we're trying to all protect ourselves from dying of COVID and we know that, that they, you know, the top four reasons are going to be obesity, um, diabetes, right? Lung yep. disease, heart, heart disease. disease. Mm-hmm. And y'all, I mean, straight from the CDC, it, they say having obesity may triple the risk of hospitalizations due to a COVID-19 infection. Obesity is linked to impaired immune function Obesity decreases lung capacity and reserve and can make ventilation more difficult. A study of COVID-19 cases suggests that the risk of hospitalization, intensive care unit admission, invasive medical ventilation, and death are higher with increasing BMI. It is directly proportional. So, I mean, and and there are studies that show that um, obesity is related to low vitamin D and also that viruses hang on to obese people. They've shown it in rats and I believe in people too, but I know I've seen a study with the rats where, you know, even flu viruses and stuff. So that means that the viral virus stays in there. That means you have a higher viral load for longer, more complications and more transmissible. So really, if you, I mean, if you ask me, I mean, it sounds like more of the pandemic of the unhealthy or obese. And obesity leads to high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart problems. I mean, it is the root cause of so much. Mm-hmm. That's right. And in 2019, you can go look this up from the CDC. Again, the leading causes of death in America, well, they're related to obesity, heart disease being the number one, number two being cancer closely behind heart disease. You guys know what the third leading cause of death in America is by numbers? It's actually hospital or or medical Medical errors. (laughs) Medical error. Um, So we think the health crisis, this has magnified it. We've seen it with COVID. We've seen that people are more likely to get COVID when they're not taking good care of their health. Um, And this is the conversation that we want to have and keep having because we believe that it is something that every American can control. We can't control a lot of things. We can control how we take care of ourselves. And there is some personal responsibility to doing that, right? Um, I think we talk a lot about the freedom to choose and bodily autonomy. Well, part of that is the responsibility to be healthy, as well, um, and and to take care of ourselves, this is what lowers the burden on the healthcare system, but also lowers our costs, mm-hmm. lowers low, and, and and really gives us a better quality of life. If you want to keep people out of the hospital, stay healthy, right. stay healthy, be proactive rather it's than reactive. Just, um, Prevention yep. first. Blaming, yep. blaming unvaccinated when you know that it's their responsibility to not overwhelm the healthcare system. Yeah. when come really, on for years, come on. 
there are other things that everyone could have been doing to not overwhelm the hospital system. Yeah. And if this is really about health, and I know we've said this before, you know, and I don't, I really don't watch the news that uh, a whole lot. I've watched it more now just because we're doing this just to stay up to date. And I try to watch all different sources, of course, but just the fact that like Sanjay knows, like the 80% of our immunity is in our gut, you know, and, and all of those stats, are they even, are they talking about this? Have we heard Fauci say anything about this? Have we heard Walensky? Have we heard anybody talk about what we can do as a nation to be healthier? Right. Uh, no, like it is literally like every answer is the vaccine, the vaccine or a mask or a mask. Right. I think and while that could be things. a cho- choice or an option, that is not our answer. Right. Well, you know, one of the things Sanjay, because I think Joe kind of asked this of Sanjay, and one of the things that he responded was, well, in the middle of a pandemic, you don't have time to get everybody healthy, right? Like, and But we're 20 months in. Right. If we'd had this conversation at the start, and actually we all know people who did lose weight over the pandemic mm-hmm. and did decide to get healthy, and, and it was a great time to do that, right? We, If we'd been having these conversations earlier, if it had come from let's say, quote, the pulpit, if it had come from the CDC, if it had come from Fauci, if it had come from the experts, the, the experts, people would have been more inclined to listen if you said, hey, you're going to increase your chances of surviving this disease and faring through this disease well by doing these things. I am telling you, I believe there would have been a difference. Would have everybody gotten healthy? No. Well, what if they had said, go outside and get some fresh air right. and vitamin C everybody and vitamin D instead of closing the beaches? Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> think, hopefully we learned quickly that that was a bad idea. I mean, but really. But mm-hmm. I think, again, in, as the science has unfolded and we know that, that vitamin D is crucial, right, then it, telling everyone to stay home and inside their homes was a horrible idea. That's going to de- right. deplete vitamin D. Um, but I think there's even more. Well, I will say, going back to the medical error, I read this. Um, it's from Stat News. And, again, we're going to put all of this information in, in our resources for you. But... And you can find it on Linktree on our social media channels. But uh, a meta-analysis of the studies that that concluded this stat said that the average annual death rate from medical errors in the first decade of the 2000s was around 250,000 annually. And it said that's more than enough to make medical care gone awry the number three cause of death in the U.S. after heart disease and cancer. But I love this quote. It said, in almost no other field would consumers tolerate the frequency of error that is common in medicine. This is from Donald Berwick, who was co-founder of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. He said this to the New York Times, and they repeat, they, they printed this. And I think, again, we're not trying to create distrust in your doctor because we believe that your doctor is perhaps the most educated on health in general. But doctors are not educated on everything. And I do believe that somewhere in the previous decades, we've created a system where we made doctors kind of our medical gods and we just whatever they said was the gospel truth but if you're like all three of us where we've had experiences where the doctor couldn't help didn't help or was wrong then you start to realize you are again responsible for your own health and to figure things out as well alongside that care getting and, those and a lot of times I, I will say from a nurse perspective it, it may not even be about the knowledge it it yeah <laughs> and it sounds like a terrible excuse but when it is the stress of everything that you're doing. Yes. It is very easy 
it sounds scary, okay? It's very easy to make mistakes, but that's why there's so many double and triple and quadruple checks. Like we had to, you know, we had to put things in the right way in the locked drawer to get the meds out. We had to have a nurse co-sign for high risk, high alert meds. And we had to scan the patient's armband, ask them their date. We had to pull up the meds at the bedside from the vial, okay? And that actually changed while I was there because we didn't always have to do that. And this came with a lot of double and triple check and policy changes because of all the medical errors, okay? And this is where I do want to point out right now two things. I want everybody listening to please just know everywhere you go, it does not even have to be the vaccine, know what is getting put into your body. You need to make sure that they are pulling it up right beside you because you need to see what is going in that syringe and what's going in, okay? I'm not saying that there is intention behind it, but if there was a mistake, you could be that last check, okay? And I've heard so many people that have gone and get the vaccine and the the fluid is just already in the syringe. You don't even know really what's in there, okay? And I will bring up, if y'all haven't heard this, just real quick, that four or five-year-old that got that accidentally got the COVID vaccine instead of the flu vaccine, and it was an adult dose. And now, um, I is it a girl? I can't remember. I think she had, anyway, the little kid has like heart problems now. Yeah. Now, that is a major mistake, major, okay? But that just goes back to, please be your own advocate. Absolutely. And, 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 and again, this is, we are so thankful for doctors and nurses that have invested all their time, money and studying and, and doing what they do. Um, it's just to say, please don't expect them to be the be all end all. There's only so much any human can know to start with. There's a lot about medicine we still don't know. But when we talked to Dr. John Murphy on the episode, straight from the horse's mouth, he said, you know, very little education is happening in medical school about the drugs that are dispensed. That's what they are learning from the pharmaceutical companies that dispense the drugs, but not something they're spending a lot of time learning about in medical school. But there's also been a lot in the news over the last decade that, guess what else they're not learning in medical school? Food and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was really alarming. I, back in the last decade um, the, or so in California, they tried to tell doctors, you need to have seven hours of, um, of nutrition. Uh, education. Thank or you. Something. And, uh, yeah, nutrition, education. And their, their medical community and community fought back against us and said, no, we don't want to do that. Now, it's so bonkers. You can actually go look this up online and read. Their pushback was, we don't want to have mandates. Get this. This is what this doctor said. We don't want to have mandates because that's a slippery slope when you start telling us what we oh, have it is? to do. Yeah. Oh, oh. it is. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. Interesting. <laughs> and it's just, but, but they said that according to a Harvard study, students in medical schools across the country spend less than 1% of lecture time learning about diet, and just 14% of doctors feel qualified to offer nutrition advice. I mean, Mm. that's when 80% of our, as Sanjay said, our immune system is in our gut. You don't want to turn off your stomach acid. I'll be the first to say I don't think that's good to stay, stay on medicines that turn that off when that is your first line of defense. But they don't know about feeding the first line of defense with your immune system. Does this make us wonder why we're sick? Well, I think it's just this whole symptom treatment model that mm-hmm. we're in. And I think that COVID, especially for many, many of us, has shifted us from the uh, symptom treatment model to the prevention model, where we are seeking out and searching out ways to prevent sickness and disease. And those things are usually not 
top headlines. No, in fact, it's almost right. Of course, it's been more about the vaccines, but then it's also more about the drugs, right? Right, because we're hearing about Merck having their their drug they want to put out that costs way more than ivermectin, um, and you know they're they're looking at that right now. But I think it's worth noting that the United States is the most medicated country in the world. Do you guys know this? Daily Mail reported on it that each year about half of all U.S. doctors, um, they do accept money or gifts from drug and device companies. I thought this was a practice that that has been curbed, but this was, I think, at the end of 2020. They Mm. reported this about that there's more than $2 billion given out to physicians to prescribe these drugs. I think that's that's concerning. But I think just knowing, first of all, that we are an over-medicated society, perhaps. Well, um, polypharmacy is huge, especially <laughs> when you get to the, el- I mean, elderly, older people, because you get a medicine and then you get another medicine and then you're getting these, you know, symptoms. And a lot of people are misdiagnosed and, and it's because of a side effect of a medication. Yeah. And and you don't know because you don't right. know what, it, what started it. So, yeah. And, I'm thankful for drugs that have helped us. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think we, none of us are anti-Western medicine. I think it, again, goes back to thinking, to knowing, mm-hmm. to growing in your own understanding of your own body, working with your doctors and nurses to to get that understanding instead of the blind trust. I think, don't you think that's kind of in our theme, girls? It's yeah. no blind trust, yeah, right? right. We, blind, have, we have trust issues. We, 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 <laughs> as Joy says, wise skepticism. Wise skepticism. Thank you, said. Joy Reid from MSNBC. Yes, we do. <laughs> We do, have, but but look at it, guys. Let's just again. This is based on data, right? So, there, look at what's going on in our world when we say we're getting sicker. Let's just go through a list of some of these things: childhood cancer mm-hmm. on the rise. Did you know from the early 1980s to the early 1990s, the incidence of cancer in American children under 10 years of age rose 37 percent? Oh my gosh! Wow. I mean, that's crazy. I think now they say it's up 60% since then. Um, and they don't really know why. Autoimmunity is on the rise. At first, they didn't know if this was a matter of being able to detect autoimmune disease better, because certainly we've probably made strides there. But then there was a study that actually showed something really important, and it was when a team of researchers was able to prove that anti-nuclear antibodies, which is a type of autoantibody that is common that's a common, what they call biomarker of autoimmune disease. They did studies on this and they found that these have become increasingly prevalent in the U.S. population over the past 25 years. What's been happening in the last 25 years that's caused cancer rates to go up, that's caused autoimmunity? And of course, now they say you can group autoimmune diseases from, um, you know, lupus to any of your digestive diseases. Um, you, They say diabetes, that they really believe this is all a form of the body attacking itself and is coming under a larger umbrella of autoimmune issues. But guys, this is something else that I think is important was when we're looking at our children in adolescence, the prevalence of that anti-nuclear antibody nearly tripled. Wow. It's more prevalent in them. What are we doing? What's, What's happening to our kids? What are, what are we doing? And they, this is, they even had this conclusion. Every research study that I've read, the researchers say, this cannot be evolutionary biology. Right. This is happening too quickly. It is environmental. But the question is, are we spending any time trying to figure out what's harming our health in this country? What's changed? I think a lot of it is is diet, how they're making the food, what's in the food, the different chemicals that are cheaper to make the food, processed foods, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's also probably over-medication even with kids rather mm -hmm. than getting to the root cause. So the amount of children that are now on like hyperactivity drugs, 
uh, anxiety drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't I can't pull those numbers right now, but I was reading an article on that. It's it's pretty alarming. Did you guys know that autism is now at one in fifty four children? Wow, this That's is autism crazy. speaks, guys. It was one in twenty five hundred when I had Anderson in nineteen ninety eight. One mm. in twenty five. We are at one in fifty four. Who is looking at this? And for yeah. people to say, no, we're just better at diagnosing it, talk to a teacher who's been teaching for three decades. Mm-hmm. She will tell you something has changed. Yeah. Mm. Okay, what is that? And then allergies on the rise, particularly peanut allergies. When we were kids, did we, we had peanuts and everything. Trail mix was the bomb. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. Every classroom <laughs> right. in America. Every, every, every one of them. What, what happened there? You know, and, and, and who's looking into it? And, you know, they've looked into it to see if it was about pregnant women eating the peanut butter and jelly. Get this, though. More than 4 million people in the United States alone are affected by peanut allergies now. While there are few reported cases in India, a country where peanut is the primary ingredient in many baby food products. Hmm. Wow. Huh. So when they do this comparison, India's not having the issues that the United States, Canada, Australia, some of these other countries right. are having. Hmm. So which does, again, it points to an environmental cause, right? What about gluten sensitivity? Kristen, you're, you have yeah. gluten sensitivity and yeah. you have autoimmune disease. Right. Okay, that's up. Twenty Up to 20% of the adult population in the U.S. is now gluten sensitive. We were eating bread at ever, right. every, every meal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Our whole lives. Mm, and I miss them yeast rolls at Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> and my Those Brugger's bagels. Brugger's, I mean, mm. Brian's, yeah, college. Brian's Can we have yes. a yes. Brian's. <laughs> Whatever happened to Brian's? And macaroni grill, that rosemary sea Ooh. salt oh, bread and olive oil. Mm. 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 I could go for that right now. Uh, not with Kristen. We can't <laughs> do that with Kristen. <laughs> we'll go later, Holly. <laughs> okay, okay. After this, Amy. Um, but there's so many issues. And then you add obesity to it. And, and what was the obesity stats? I think you went over those, didn't you, Kristen? Did you mention like f- almost half of them at 42.4%. The U.S. Mm-hmm. obesity prevalence. Guys, almost half of us are not just overweight, classified obese. That's- Go sit at the state fair or... Disney World and look at people and then go look at pictures from Disney World 50 years ago. They're having their 50th anniversary, right? Go look at the people in the pictures. Mm. I saw a picture like that on Instagram. Alarming. Was like the, in the, a, be, a beach in California in the 70s But wait, in the 70s and people were like, what do you and, notice? Yeah, what do you notice? And, you know, immediately you're like, look at everyone. Everyone, there is not one obese Person in the picture. It makes you think. It really so does. What does that mean? Yeah. Is it sedentary lifestyle too? Is it like t- the rise of technology and people just not moving as much? Like I don't. Well, have you? Yeah, I think probably all those things, right? And then I think also the quick fix, fast foods, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because think about it. When, when we came back from France, I remember when Mitch and I, when we landed in the <laughs> in America, <laughs> Mitch was like, "Well, we're home." <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> Look at our options. I mean, right, though? Yeah. And I mean, even things that we pick up in our grocery stores now, a lot of times are pre, pre-made. pre There's a lot of not eating straight from the ground the way we kind of were created to do, right? Which is to have fresh, whole foods in our bodies. We have far more processed foods, and that's got to be playing a role in this, in, in addition to medications and the changes in our medical system that we meant for good, but that have side effects that can be bad. I love, I always go back, like, if if you can't grow it or if you can't pronounce it or spell it, yep. you may not need to be eating it. Yes. <laughs> you know, or yes. if God didn't make it, you yes. know, if it's not here, you yeah. know, naturally. I mean, I know some things you got to have, but, you know. Yeah. And then um, I was just going to point out this, brought, brought it up. 
if y'all have ever heard, it was a long time ago, that book, French Women Don't Get Fat. Yes. That was a very interesting book to me, and it just stands out. Because they eat all the bread. But it stood out to me because it was all about moderation, but also appreciating. And who knows if this is just like a stereotypical thing, but this is like a French woman that was talking about it. But she was like, they they don't just stand and eat. I mean, how many of us mamas are? I mean, I'm usually like snacking while I'm figuring out what I want to snack on. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> like standing in the cabinet. So, but to sit down and actually appreciate, she always said, I remember her saying, your first bite of food is always the best. Yes. You know how you try to say that last bite? Yeah. It's still never as good it's as that as good. first bite. And just to sit there and marinate on yes. what you're it's, eating um, and enjoy. Eating. It's mindful, mindful eating. eating, but also it's quality food. Like I remember yeah. being, well, again, in France, we would have the French fries and we had it with the mermaids and yes. everything. But you knew that it was quality that you were getting and it was like good stuff and it's more filling and satisfying. And you didn't eat as much of it. So we were, yeah, uh, Kristen and I were in France together and, and it was so interesting. They would bring baskets of bread to the table before we would eat. And these people were all rail thin. Mm-hmm. And, and and you want do you eat this? <laughs> they do. You want yeah. they're like no, we just like them. to see who who who's who's not from this country. They We're gonna see who's going. <laughs> that's how they that's bread, how they cheese, chocolates. Mm-hmm. But here's what they don't do: they don't eat copious amounts of it. And right. and what I've noticed about myself when I eat whole foods, I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. Do you guys notice that I eat less and I'm not as hungry when I'm eating plants and and proteins and meats that are are you know more of a, a pure sense of. Of consumption, and mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that's part of our problem. Well, and it's not processed. I I used to yeah. follow. Um, there's this. I can't remember her name now. Maybe it's Lisa Matthews. It's 100 Days of Real Food. It's such a great for y'all out there with families, and you really want to start to try to eat better. It's such a great way because it's not restrictive as far as like gluten free, dairy free, all that stuff. It's just literally whole foods, non processed things for your family. Great kids recipes. But one of her rules of thumb was always if it has more than five ingredients, then she doesn't buy it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I started paying attention, like, you know, and I mean, I know that that's not always possible, obviously, but at least you're conscious of it and you're looking and you're seeing like how many ingredients are in this thing that I'm buying if it's not just like a plant. Well, and I love that rule because Lay's potato chips plain has like three ingredients. (laughs) So we're good. You're good. So we're good. I'm and, just they're, kidding. and they're gluten free. And they're gluten free. No, <laughs> so there you go. There no. are things you can find. I mean, but less. it is true when you find things that are five or less, it, it does give you, it gives me a greater sense of, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not putting so much crap. I know what I'm eating. I know what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Pollan had that, you know, in, in defense of food. Do you remember there was a documentary? He has a mm-hmm. book, and then there was a documentary that he did. I want to say it was on Netflix or Prime. Um, great. He talks about the importance of plants, but he's not anti, he's not vegan, he's not vegetarian, or wasn't at the time of this recording. He talks about the good, healthy balance. But again, he's like, it really, the, the rule of food should just be try to, he's like, eat plants as much as possible. Right. And try not to eat things you can't pronounce or don't know what they are. Right. And and that's not as restrictive because everybody needs a cheap meal. We'll be the first to tell you. We, mm. like, we like ours, right? Oh God, yeah. But don't y'all feel that it's been a, we are living in this world now where political correctness is such an issue. That it's, mm-hmm. it's constrained conversations. And we found that we don't even feel comfortable having conversations about obesity because we're not obese. Right. Now, the three of us work hard not to be. Uh, you know, diet exercise is a, is a central part of our lives. But 
we have mm-hmm. noticed that sometimes you don't feel comfortable having these conversations around obesity because you think people look at you and go, well, you don't get it. Right. Um, you know, but I think that shouldn't stop us from having the conversations, right? And one of the things that we talked about in 2020, I think we all got the Athleta magazine the, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the mail. And we talked about this. And we said, how do we have a conversation around what we're seeing here? And I'm going to back up and explain. In 2017, Athleta came under fire because it was selling extra, extra large. It was selling plus size clothing, which, by the way, I think half of females in America are size 14 and above. So they need to. And we want everyone to have clothing that is comfortable, that they can wear, that feels good when they're exercising because we want everyone to Move right? right. Movement is so crucial. Um, they 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 took they took some heat, and it's kind of understandable. They they were putting stick figures in, and but selling extra large clothes, but it was on very thin models. And I think the three of us would all say we would love to see more real women in mm-hmm. clothes, meaning curves. Mm-hmm. Can we see some cellulite? Mm-hmm. I mean, cellulite right. is not a sign of obesity. Thin women, I have it. I mean, and I'm not thin, but I'm saying I'm right. like I'm a trim person. I have it. Can we see some more cellulite, maybe? I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Right. That isn't necessarily a sign of obesity. Right. Um, I think what we started to say is when Athleta came out in 2021, because they just, they made, you know, they took the heat and they said, okay, we're going to make some changes. They put, and I'm, I'm going to choose my words carefully, but I don't know how else to describe it. You can go look at it yourself. You can Google it. Very obese women on the cover of the magazine for which is a company whose statement mission statement is to ignite a community of active healthy mm-hmm. confident women and girls who empower each other to reach their limitless potential and all three of us separately got this and said mm, this doesn't speak health no just as much as it wouldn't if it was a rail thin waif Exactly. This is what we were saying. If y'all have ever heard the term skinny fat, I mean, you know, you can be unhealthy, really skinny too. I mean, it goes both ways, but I mean, it's just a little bit like, I think we've, this, what we're saying is like the culture has gone to celebrating and and which is great, you know, like the, the body positivity movement, I guess. And we're not saying you shouldn't be happy with yourself, but you know, it's just a little bit of a fine line when there's a difference between health like true health of someone. Um, you know, I th- and I think right. it probably is hard for an athletic wear company to do that because you've got to represent, it. I am glad that they're representing them, but, and, and it also encourages people to feel more empowered and they're like, they're not alone alone. And if that's what gets somebody up and moving, but you also don't want to say like, portray that as the picture of health. Okay. So, that's what I'm trying to say. Like I that's right. I want everybody to like want to get out and yes. move. And if they see somebody like that and they're like, okay, well if she can do that, I feel better about myself to do it. But I just don't want it to be portrayed as there's a difference between accepting it and just being there or having that be your encouragement and motivation and let's get out in there and be healthy, you know? Well, and this is what Joe Rogan pointed out to Sanjay in that clip, right? He said, what is it all of a sudden we can't talk about obesity because of body shaming? So body positivity is something we should encourage everyone to have to understand your body is not who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Who you are is a soul, a spirit, and that is not confined to just your body. But you want your body to be healthy so that that soul and that spirit can live on this earth as long as possible, right? And to do it and feel good. We all three can attest. When we are doing the things we need to do, exercise, diet-wise, then we feel better. Feel so much better. And when we don't do it, we feel that. We feel worse. We feel it, and it's so much harder 
like the longer you go not doing it, it's harder to get back into it. So it is a, it's hard. It's a vicious cycle, but you know, it's like that whole choose your heart. That's right. That's exactly right. And I think that, um, so when I was researching this, I started looking at images of real women out running and they were not all skinny girls. They, some of these were bigger girls, but you could see their muscles. You could see their Mm -hmm. cellulite, but you could see they were training. They were working. I want to see those images. I want to see those clothes on real women mm-hmm. um, of all sizes, but that are working towards their health. Because mm-hmm. if you're about health, let's make it about health, not a pose in some workout gear trying to make a point that you are not being Ex- excluded. excluded right. But to say, can we all admit we're all going to be in different shapes and sizes and we should love ourselves regardless of what this body looks like? Mm-hmm. That's crucial. Mm-hmm. Um But I don't want to encourage positivity around health that can kill you and that, frankly, is we're seeing not good for our society either. Right. Right. It's a it's a tax burden as well. Right. Because we're we're seeing how much money is being spent and and what it's doing to our already broken health care system. Like we if you want to talk about doing what's good for your neighbor, let's all get healthy. Right. What was it? It can't be a taboo topic to where we feel like, you know, people are just going to be offended nonstop. I mean, this is something that. It needs to be. Amy, what was it where that that was going around? Like, if they really cared about it, why didn't they ban like the McDonald's and the Burger King? What was that? Yeah, what, they're was, like the bill. Like, but it's just like okay, if you're going to lock anything down, why yeah. didn't we lock that down? If it's about open, you know, if they open know, the gyms, yeah, open the, the gyms, get at, like keep the beaches open so people can be outside walking. Encourage them to go out. I mean, even in Australia, yeah, I mean, in Canada, even, maybe too, they couldn't even go more than well, I don't know. I think they're in kilometers. Yeah, kilometers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't measure like I'm that like, here. So uh, a couple miles. They wherever get, they, they could only go a, a certain mile. amount of space away from their house. And I'm like, I don't understand how that helped or didn't help or what, you know. Well, and this is what we, again, here's our question to you to just think about, right? If they're really so concerned about health, then make it all make sense. Because there's a situation happening at the border where we're letting, and we talked about Mm. this last week, we're letting people in with all kinds of viruses and diseases we've pretty much kind of done away with here in America with herd immunity. Um, If it's really about health, Where's Kamala on all this on the border? Like, where is she? Where's right. the where, where's where, your crickets? Right. Uh, which, by the way, would you, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> I mean, crickets. And you know, I want to know too. They just, you know, a judge ordered them to go back to the stay-at-home Trump policy, where we had the lowest, the lowest uh, border control. What was that? Amy? We had the lowest, lowest amount of illegal of illegal immigration mm-hmm. um, in in forty-five years. And so, thank God, mm. some tr- some some judge, the Supreme Court, upheld We're it. We're making up for lost time now because now mm. we have. I think like it's like I could be wrong on this, but it's like 1.3 million and projected 2 million to cross our borders just this year alone, and we have the highest number of. Um, Unaccompanied minors. Mm. Yep, and which I mean, it's really sad. And we're talking about not only physical health, but let's talk about mental, mental and health. emotional health. Like, and I know it's you know if these kids need to be somewhere other than their home country because it's so bad there, but the trek that they have to endure to get over here, what happens to them on the way? Um, they're here with no one. I think in Arizona, like a week or two ago, there was like two little girls just roaming alone, completely alone, with just a note in their pocket. I mean, the this is mental health too. This is emotional health. Um, these 
kids coming over here. It's not rainbows and unicorns, and they're just getting over here with a hop, skip, and a jump. It is treacherous. It's awful. That's right. And, and then there's the trafficking, which apparently is another taboo subject, which led us down that, you know, right yeah. whole last year. Oh. You know, you're, you're like, a QAnon so let's person just think if, you, of, yeah. Yeah. if you believe in sex trafficking. I mean, I, mean I also want to say it was... Um, or like it's a conspiracy theory that there's freaking trafficking going on. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, y'all. It's so <laughs> that, bad. Open your eyes. It's open so bad. your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. If it's about health... What is it about when, when the FDA has a meeting to approve the, the mm. booster? I mean, and they say they did it. One guy says, Dr. Patrick Moore said that the data the company submitted for the authorization of a booster was not well explained and that he added he voted yes more on a, quote, gut feeling. Oh, I'm so glad they have that gut feeling. Oh, following the science and, and gut yet, feelings. And yet they will not, they, they ban ivermectin because of not enough large peer-reviewed studies, but they are going to approve this for, you know, kids and boosters or, well, 18 to 65 based on low amount of data and a gut feeling. Meanwhile, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, Norway have all banned Moderna over there, halted it, not banned it, I guess. Okay, so you've got, it's the same vaccine. It's, right? It's the same vaccine over there. It's still people getting it. Yet it's halted over the air. It's approved here unanimously. FDA had a 16 to 2 vote against Pfizer a couple weeks ago, but yeah. then they still approved it yep. for those over, over 65. That was, weird. that was so weird. So you've got to think. And y'all, they, they halted it because of myocarditis. Okay. And I, I just want to throw this out there because I know we need to wrap this up. But just so y'all know, I just looked this up um, last night. Just in ages 12 to 17 year olds, there have been, and now this is just theirs, okay? So this is 1% to 10% of the actual events. 520 reports of myocarditis and pericarditis. 508 of those are from Pfizer. 114 reports of blood clotting disorders, okay? And those are all Pfizer. And then with all ages combined, get this, y'all. 9,907 reports of blood clotting disorder. 2,737 reports of myocarditis and pericarditis. 1,733 is Pfizer. 888 is um, Moderna. So tell me, yet we just slap a label on it because it's about health. And I think what they're going to argue, what we kind of heard Sanjay argue is, well, you could get all these things with getting COVID, but... I got COVID and I have a blood clotting issue. So I didn't get blood clots. You know, um, I I knew how to treat. I knew how to treat it. And I I just, there's just something about this. Talking about gut feelings, but there's something about this that you're like, I'm not convinced. I think there's just so much more room that that there, first of all, stop hiding stuff. That number one is what will build trust. If you want to stop lying, stop lying, Mm -hmm. stop lying stop lying you want to play oh, that clip yeah, yeah. i think we could this wrap it circle up. back yeah we're gonna circle back circle back i'm gonna circle back to this clip because um a it's funny and b um <laughs> it just goes along with the trust that the the reason why i think so many of us have such distrust is because of things like this no 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 we're not the rest of them are all lying about me taking horse medication <laughs> we should talk about that That bothered you it should bother you too I, they're well, lying I, at your network about people taking human drugs versus drugs for it, veterinary it, calling me- it a horse dewormer is not a flattering thing i get it's that. a lie it's a lie on a news network it, it, and it's a lie that's a willing 
that's that's a lie that they're conscious of. This is not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Well, the FDA put this thing out. You saw that. Did you see that thing that the FDA put out? What did the FDA put out? <laughs> it was a tweet, and it was snarky. I admit it. They said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow. Stop taking this stuff or something like Why that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people, a drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making the Nobel the Prize. The Nobel Prize in 2015. 15, yeah. Yeah, no, a, a drug well, that has been shown to stop viral replication in vitro. You know that, right? I, I, Why would they lie? and say that's horse dewormer. But don't you think that a lie like that is dangerous on a news network when you know that they know they're lying? The, the point is, that's a lie. It can be used for humans, I, I get it. I, I totally... Not just could be used for humans, <laughs> is often used for humans along with all the other drugs I took, all human drugs. Yes. They know it's a human drug. It's, it's, a, it can, it's right. But and the, they lied. The thing It's I, defamatory. It, it is, it is uh, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. It's I get, defamatory, right? Well, I don't know if it's defamatory. I bet it is. Mm. I'm not a lawyer. Mm. So. Hmm. I'm not a lawyer. You don't have to be a lawyer to know when something's a lie and when it's defamatory, you know. And again, I think this is where that cognitive dissonance thinks he does. Of course, I don't blame Sanjay. He doesn't want to say his employer right. is is guilty of spreading but information. He it but, he he it. but he knows it. But he knows how the media it. works. And if he yes. said that, it'd be played over oh. and over and over. So I mean, I get where he's trying to be cautious. Yeah. yeah. But he's got to realize it. Well, you when know? Don Lemon interviewed him, at, you know, after this on CNN, and Don Lemon doubled down on the whole claim. Instead of saying it, we shouldn't have said that, they doubled down on it. And it just, and Sanjay didn't correct him, you know, and again, he's probably not a super confrontational person, but I'm like, dude, again, That's tell the where, truth, yeah, be transparent. Truth. But he's not the journalist. He is the medical the correspondent. So True. That's where I feel he like should yeah, he should the be checking them. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. if so you are he, the medical person, right. check the journalists. <laughs> Provide the science and the facts and the truth. And I'm, the fact that he's well, not, I mean, how are we going to trust anything at this point? Sanjay right. didn't want to acknowledge that ivermectin could be effective even when he mentioned India and the, and the impressive results there, which, he, again, he said, well, it was already coming down when they introduced mm. this. And you could tell he just doesn't want to acknowledge that perhaps ivermectin really can be helpful. Is it the be-all, end-all? No. But it could be helpful in treating and preventing the disease. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it's just weird. And just they've been told not to. Yeah. yeah. And why not investigate it? If this is a real pandemic and you're really worried about health, let's be real worried about health and let's get to the root of our health problems, mm -hmm. which we laid out for y'all today. Love to hear from you. We'd love to know yes. what you think about all this. And what can we do? What can we do, guys, to really start to turn the tide in American health, starting with our own families? But what can we do as a population to perhaps start to really address the real, the real, the real crisis. The real crisis. Yeah. 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 So, all right. All right, y'all. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. bye, -bye.